Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Season 32, Episode 18 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. Hello, I'm Alex. I'm Pooja. Yes. In today's episode, Burke from DC asks about getting what you need out of an RPG. Anonymous GM is unmasked from a couple episodes <laughs> ago. They wrote in with a question about their particular playgroup and haha, now you have to listen to find out who it is. Ken from Canada also sends in a lightning round of questions. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Announcements. Game Days is September 23rd, so come sign up to run or play games in our Discord. It's completely free. All types of games are welcome. Safety tools are required for all games. And all you have to do is show up in the Discord. Nothing else. It's free. You don't even need pants. You just, no. You can just play without pants. Yeah. My favorite way to play. Absolutely. The only way to play. Yeah. So come do that. If you go to happyjacks.org slash Discord, you can join our Discord. And it's pretty, I have to say, it's a pretty awesome place. I love it. It's very cool. And also, Big Bad Con is September 28th through October 1st at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco Airport. A bunch of us are going to be there in a bunch of different capacities with, yeah. with Happy Jacks and with a bunch of other groups, too. It is sure to be an amazing, wild time. I'm very excited. I've never been to Big Bad Con before. So I'm running Starscape twice, and then I'm signed up for two slots of Games on Demand where I will either run Decima or Virgins and Vixens, depending on who shows up and what they want to run. Yeah, Virgins and Vixens has been like like the dark horse. Like set is super popular when I'm at cons and like having a, a booth now. Like everyone's like, what is this? I'm like, well, this is Decima one and any. Okay, that's Virgins and Vixens. Got a good name though. It does. It's, it gets it's it's such a good fun. name and it's such a fun game. Like we always get questions or people asking about like pick up and go games. Like Virgins and Vixens is right there for you. Yeah, that's true. So uh, which is also the other reason I'm taking it because it's like Decima and Virgins and Vixens. Very little or zero prep at all. Yeah, so aren't you, you're, what are you running out? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be running two of the first ever open playtests of the game that I've been working on. It's called Confluence RPG. I've been working on it with a bunch of friends under the Publishing Goblin group, which is very cool. So we're showcasing Confluence. And we'll also have a little booth on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. And then I'm also running my own home-written work-work adventure called Belly of the Cat God at Big Bad Con. And I know that I'm going to be on two panels. Uh, Sarah's, I think, going to be on two panels, mm-hmm. one or two panels as well. So they'll be there too. And awesome. they have a bunch of friends. Yay. Yeah. 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 Kai's going to be there. Jason, oh, yeah. Dave are going to be there. Uh, Kai's performing at the Transplanter live show. Yeah. Which is awesome. very exciting. Yeah. So there's like going to be contingent. I know there's a bunch of listeners who are going. Uh, if you're going to Big Bad Con, also, I have a, uh, hopefully they'll arrive in time. If they arrive in time, I'll have uh, little badge ribbons. To come and put a little badge ribbon that says Happy Jacks RPG Network. It doesn't say that like that because it's just in font. So it doesn't have a weird voice like I just did <laughs> at all. It's fine. It's normal. It's totally normal. I'm sleep deprived. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, those are our announcements. Indie Designer of the Month. This month, we are still talking about Cesar Capacal. I'm really sleep deprived. A Brazilian game designer, graphic designer, architect, and musician. And he just has too many talents. We've decided it's not fair. 
You can find his work at quirky.games. And he is at Capacal, C-A-P-A-C-L-E, on Twitter. This week, we're talking about his game, Run. You're running, escaping, stumbling on your own legs. Your short breaths are labored, shaky. Something is after you. You don't know what it is, but you know it won't quit. Your life is at stake. You feel that it is close, as if a claw is sliding down the back of your neck. And you know you must not look back. Run. So Run is a solo narrative game inspired by the slasher horror movie genre. The game uses a standard deck of cards and a customized system that pushes the story forward while revealing dark and mysterious aspects of the events, the threat, and yourself. Through 16 scenes, you play a collection of memories and try to piece together what is happening while you run for your life and try not to run out of breath. So this is the perfect timing to showcase this game. Yeah. yeah. Spoopy season. Mm -hmm. Halloween season. Mm -hmm. And it's $14.90, which is a very specific price. USD at capical.itch.io. And again, like if you go check it out, like Cesar's pages are just like the best itch.io pages I've ever seen. Like beautiful gifts of like the books turning pages. And so you see the whole inside. I'm just like, okay. Like again, like architects, musician, badass itch.io pages, like leave them for the rest of us. Leave some for the rest of us, I'm just going to say. But also I am really, really going to pick up that game for Halloween. (laughs) It's amazing. All right. Mailbag number one. <laughs> no, I'm not going to read Someone else should read it. <laughs> I read the rest it? of it. Yeah, go ahead. Getting what you need out of a game. Dear Empress Kimmy and her Jacker Court, let's talk about friends. In my home game, it's five of my favorite people. Close personal friends I've known for over a decade. We've been playing TTRPGs for almost that whole time together, and I love it. Big fun, lots of laughs, and stuff always exploding. You cannot find a group of people that are more fun. And yet, I think I need a change. Over the 10 years I've been playing TTRPGs, I've changed. Although I deeply love blowing stuff up and making jokes while drinking beer, I also, as Jason puts it, want to make them kiss. (laughs) What I mean is I want more emotion. It doesn't have to be romance. Romance is complicated and I understand that, but I do want strong emotion. Something that brought this to the forefront of my mind was playing Alice is Missing with some of the Happy Jack Discord. You should join the Discord if you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) This game made me feel like intense emotion. I had an in-game fight with Rose that actually got my heart pounding. I hated her character and what she said to my character. I was thrilled. I kid you not, I thought about this game for months. But this showed me what I was missing. I want more. I tried to lead my players down these kind of paths, but in the end, they didn't want it. And that is fine. It's not them. It's me. I get that. (laughs) So then I thought about trying to go to more cons to get that emotion in gaming. But I don't think I want to be that open around people I don't know. Mood. So what does that mean? Does that mean starting over from scratch? Like, do I need a new home group? Maybe it's time to try and get two weekly games going on alternate weeks. Sorry, I guess this isn't a question. <laughs> so have you all found yourselves needing more than your current group can give you? What did you do? Burke from DC, missing CA. <laughs> P.S. Drink. Huzzah. Huzzah. I'm the only one actually drinking tonight, but you're also the one who doesn't have a drive home. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, this is a big mood. Good job. <laughs> yeah, this is, I feel like I have 100% changed. Having actually played with the group you're talking about also, they are great, amazing, wonderful people. But I can see like they, when I I was running a game for them, they did have that. They were very into like combat, the fighting. We had so much fun, but I can see that they might not be into something where it's taking the phrase Jason says they want to kill. 
And especially because you've been friends with them for so long. Like, I think you've been friends since like, like late childhood, like high school. I don't, I might be wrong on that, but I might be conflating you with Dave, who's also like has friends from like second grade that he's still friends with, which is weird to me, but okay. But yeah, over a decade. As someone someone who literally lives down the street from someone I went to high school with and been friends with them since. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Which is hilarious because this is literally a different coast than we went to school on. <laughs> that okay, wild. that is weird. <laughs> but but yeah, like it's not as much as this sounds like a breakup letter. You don't have to break up with your <laughs> with your uh-huh. gaming group. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, I feel like we all go through that. Like you you as a person, hopefully grow and change and like different experiences. You want different stuff out of life. You want different stuff out of your games. Like as you yeah. go through time and playing, and in general, like my solution has always been to like find more games. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I was going to say too. You specifically bring up that you played Alice is Missing and that is a game that does not hold back on punching no. you very hard with emotion. So sometimes switching a game system can be a good way to tell your players that you're interested. Yeah. So Alex, what is Alice is Missing? <laughs> Should I talk about Alice is Missing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Alice <laughs> is Missing is a silent role-playing game that's in some ways kind of similar to a board game in that you are using cards. It's a card-based game but you're also texting each other through play instead of talking to each other through role play. You take on the role of uh, three to four people, young, or actually I would say they've graduated high school, young people who are looking for their missing friend, Alice. And as you're exploring the town, searching for clues, you're also talking about your personal relationships to each other and to the missing person. Mm-hmm. It's also got some great stuff about power dynamics in small towns, as well as suspects of so things like the relationships you might have with your childhood bully or a teacher, or... I'm sorry, I don't, why, why did you just at me when you said that? <laughs> a teacher! <laughs> you know, the, the history teacher and, yeah. and how those suspicions come to yeah. light. But it's a great game to play with strangers because the prompts that you get are about talking in character without having to communicate directly. And for some people, talking over text is a way to be more emotional than in person. Yeah, that is amazing. Because, like, I really feel this. I don't know if I want to be that open and vulnerable with people I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, that barrier... Like, it's much easier for me to, like, hop into Discord or, or like, a social media and, yeah. like, just throw some stuff out into the void that, like, I wouldn't actually be able to say in real life to somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm not talking about being toxic and harassing people. I'm talking about, like, being emotional and open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I love that, like, there's that other layer where you can, like, still feel kind of safe in your cocoon because mm-hmm. you're, you're just, like, thumbs on. Yeah. <laughs> it is incredibly emotional. Like, the game... That I played also the Discord. I don't, I think, I can't remember if it was a different game or with Virg. I don't remember. Because that's one of the things that's really interesting about it is because usually I have very clear visual memories of a table when I'm playing. But this game, you don't. Like, especially through Discord, like, we all, like, shut off the cameras and we all just, like, it's, you were living in text. And it was incredibly emotional. Like, a bunch of us were crying. And, like, some of the people who played, I'd never really interacted with. They were on the Discord and like I'd had like passing like conversations with them a bit, but they weren't like people like I like mess like DM all the time and stuff like that. So it was amazing and it was intense. It did absolutely like I also like I still kind of think about that game sometimes. And that's how I like that was my first game Lloyd like GM'd, even though it's not really like a GM, it's very different. But yeah, it was just it's just so wild. And it's a whole new level of just tapping into things because I think. One, it taps into those feelings we all have, well, not, most of us have left over from high school. Whether you had a good experience or a bad experience or whatever it is, you can kind of skin Alice's Missing with that. So it, it is in some ways 
very personal because it's written in a way where you can be a, a, a vision of who you'd wanted to be or who you were. So it immediately, you click into something that is so familiar that you feel like you're playing a character that is that you've been playing forever because you're kind of playing an aspect of yourself, which is really magical. <laughs> and I would love to be able to copy that from a design standpoint. I also feel there's like a time aspect, which I know we've talked about on the show before, where you play like the sound, this music soundtrack that goes with it. And it's literally a countdown. Those of you who are like super old might remember the, 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 the board game Nightmare from like the 80s or 70s. I don't know. My mom had it and they played it when I was little and I wasn't allowed to be up when they played it. And I got to check this out. It's the thing. You, you play a board game and you play the video. It's like a VHS tape. Ooh. Yeah. And it's like, I don't remember exactly because it's like a board game. You're like racing around doing something. I don't know. And it's all like kind of like spooky themed. And it's just like this ambient mo- music. And then every once in a while, like this terrifying dude called the Crypt Keeper like appears and like shouts at you. Like, and it was very scary to me as a child. I just remember how like, oh my God, that's scary. But then I was very proud the one time I was finally old enough to get to play it with them. (laughs) And it it was, it's sort of that same thing. You have a very set time. And then as you're running out of time, he starts appearing more often. So it gives you the sense of urgency. So you kind of throw yourself into it. I mean, I have no idea if Nightmare does that. I I have very visceral memories of like him and then nothing else about the board game. But (laughs) I mean, I was like six or seven. So, but Alice is Missing has that same like urgency as you feel the time, like, you know, the time is running out, you feel it, the music actually crescendos and like changes as it goes. And it causes like these emotional changes in you, which is another amazing thing about it, which I think heightens and enhances and like ups the emotion. Cause I, as a musician, I just, I love how music can do that. And it's just really masterfully done in a way that amplifies emotions, even for people who already are interested in playing out emotional stories. Sorry, that was a lot of information. No, that's great. Like, I haven't gotten the chance to play it. And I am definitely like, it's like shifting directly to the top of the to be played list. Not to be confused with the TBR, which is just like a set of books that (laughs) I may or may not get to in my lifetime. (laughs) Well, the cool thing about it too is it doesn't really take any prep. I mean, there is some prep. You have to like turn over cards in a certain order, but there's actually a Discord app thing that does yeah, it Yeah, there's all a Discord it. bot that you can yeah. nice. uh, get to just like, sorry, let the... them know that you bought the game and they'll get you set up the Discord bot. Yeah. Just Discord. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. But I, I do think it's interesting that Alice is Missing is brought up as a good example because I've also had the experience of playing Alice is Missing with strangers and then having it be very emotional, people mm-hmm. I'd never played an RPG with before. But if you're trying to add more like, angst and emotion to a home game i can understand how maybe you could do alice and you would still have an emotional experience but you wouldn't get that like ongoing weekly satisfying i just want my characters to be so emotional i want to cry about them all the time so like i mean having heightened emotions and and like yes angst but like it also i feel like people have this idea that like when you run a game that has heightened emotions in it that it is like 10 out of 10 angst all the time and they're really not like that you don't actually want to be in a game that's no, 10 out of 10 uh, angst for like exhausting. Like, yeah. like like weeks and months on yeah, end. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. But it does sound like you have tried to like broach that with your players that yeah. you currently have in your home game. Yeah. And and if they're not open to it, they're not open to it. But like it's worth reaching out and seeing if like maybe when if you put another group together or like this is where I think like it sounds like you GM this game and 
this is where, like, rather than putting together a new group and you running a game for them, you find a group to play with mm. because your investment, your time and emotional investment in that is like much, much less than yeah. when you have to create a game, which I'm sure we all know. But like, I think sometimes we forget with Forever GMs yeah. that even though you're putting more into it emotionally, you can end up feeling like you have more energy at the end of it versus less. Mm -hmm. But when you're GMing all the time, it can kind of feel like a drain. Yeah, yeah. it gets hard. And I sometimes find as a GM that although I get very emotional about certain NPCs or characters or plot lines that I'm working on, I don't always have the intense like one-to-one face-to-face of a character who's going through a romantic arc or is put in danger because I'm trying to introduce the danger or think about yeah. the narrative flow. So I don't always get that same like my character almost died in this episode and my heart is literally pounding and I'm going to go home and lie in bed and listen to songs and like cry thinking about if they had died and how they're married, like their spouse that they left behind is going to miss them. Like, I love that stuff, but I don't always do it as much as a GM as I do as a player. Yeah. I think also Alice is Missing is perfection, but it's a one shot. It is designed to be that. Having a campaign that has sustained emotion, and that's not a knock, like it, like I'm not saying it's bad, but it's, it's a hard thing to, to capture that. And that's, that's sort of the cool thing about, and I think one of the reasons why Alice is Missing has just blown up the way it has is because it, it is, it's like the amuse-bouche of like emotional like gaming. Like you're going to have this one perfect bite that the chef just prepared perfectly and you couldn't eat a whole meal of that. It would lose how special it was because it's, so much of it is about like building up to this like ending. Having a sustained campaign You've got to have different techniques. You've got to have, like you were just saying, ups and downs. Like, it, oh my God, it's a nightmare for just tons of emotion all the time. You have to have la laughing moments, even in horror games or whatever, Call of Cthulhu. You need to have those moments where you're all safe for a few minutes. Like we did a, a zombie game years ago now. And it was just one of those games where like, sometimes the pacing got off and you were just exhausted. Like by the end of a game, I, we had been running from zombies the whole time. And it was just sometimes it was just die rolls that like, okay, we found shelter, it's fine. And then just something would go a little wrong and they caught us, got up to us again. And it was just like, by the end of it, you you were just so tired. Like I felt like I'd been running the whole time. I mean, I was younger, so I probably would have done better at the running than I would now. <laughs> but the other thing I also want to point out, Burke, sometimes it's hardest to be emotionally vulnerable with people you know really well. Oh yeah, that's true. Like Happy Jacks is mostly like, my friends and the people hanging out with the most. But like there are people who I'm very close with that if they sat down at a gaming table with me, I would be very self-conscious. Yeah. And I'm not sure I could like roll, even though I like stream, which is weird. I guess that doesn't feel the same. But like if they were actually sitting at a table, I'd be very self-conscious and I wouldn't probably role play the same way I would if they weren't. So I feel like even though you've tried to get your gaming group of friends who've been around for so long to do these things, like you also, even if you got them to do them, you may not have the experience you expect. I don't know. But may, I mean, that's just a, like a kind of thought. Mm -hmm. Especially if like you've got a bunch of new people who aren't used to like dealing with emotions and games. I do want to bring up like the idea of like looking out for bleed. Yeah. Making yeah. sure you do check-ins, stuff like that. Because when you're in a home game and especially one with a group of your really good friends, I feel like there ends up being, there can be a lot of blurred lines between mm -hmm. your character and your player. And so 
it's something to look out for if you also are a person who is getting into emotional games or has been doing them for a while, but like you're wondering why you kind of like feel dissatisfied yeah. when something bad happens to your character and it's you're still dissatisfied and kind of angry about it six hours later. Mm-hmm. Like think about putting in place some systems to like decompress and not disassociate because that feels like a like extreme case. Yeah. But yeah. but to distance yourself from what happened, distance yourself from what happened to your character. Yeah. yeah. I also think uh so you say, Virk, that you kind of tried to lead them down some more emotional paths. You might want to facilitate a kind of discussion with this group to say, I'm interested in exploring certain emotions and bring that up with them. And then maybe suggest a short plot line to explore it a little more. It sounds like you have kind of a fun, goofy, making jokes over beer atmosphere. And players might not always realize that they, even if they're in character, when they're just making jokes, there's not as much of that bleed, right? You're just, you make a joke on the surface, but it's also a joke that you would have made, mm-hmm. made even if your character would, would have make, made it. Yeah. But if you're asking your players to do a little bit more emotional role playing, it might be worth saying, you know, on the surface, I want to go down this particular path. What if I introduce this element and I'm interested in seeing how you guys respond to that? Mm -hmm. That way you're not necessarily saying to them, like, I want this entire campaign to shift to a different tone, but you might be able to explore and see if it's satisfying with that group. So say, like, how do we feel if a major character is going through a loss? Mm-hmm. Are you interested in exploring that? I want to know if that's exciting to you. But also, I know a lot of people who come to TTRPGs as a form of escapism. Yeah. And if that is not the like the mental state that they're bringing to the game, you have a really good sense of what I want from this might not be what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And we really, I mean, we compartmentalize our friends and our acquaintances and our family members in every aspect of our life. Like, we all have the friends that we're going to go see, like, Maverick with. And then we have the friends that we're going to go see, like, the English patient with or whatever. Like, <laughs> those yeah. examples. I know. I'm trying to think of, like, as opposite as possible. You so, have your Barbie friends and you have your Oppenheimer never, friends. Yes, I, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen either one of those movies yet because toddler and it's just frustrating and we were supposed to see it. But then the babysitter got sick. It's just Aww. very... I'm dramatized, but I will see them eventually. But I was like, okay, I don't know if these are actually. But yeah, Barbie friends, Oppenheimer friends is the perfect example that I was sort of steering clear of since I was not informed. I don't know. That's okay. That doesn't mean anything's wrong with those friendships. Mm -hmm. You can have your beer and popcorn friends. That's totally chill and that's totally fine. And that they're just as good of friends. They're just a different flavor of friends than the ones who like want to jump in and want to play Alice is Missing and all these others. And that's okay. Like, I feel sometimes it comes off as like judging when people when we we give advice about okay this is how you get your gaming group to try to try more emotional things and I I think it's really important that we emphasize too like like you were just saying some people don't want that and that's okay we don't want to like yuck their yum yeah I've been running mm-hmm. a lot of like morning circles in class sorry that's totally valid and you have amazing friends you I mean you can still call them when like everything's wrong in your life and they just don't want to deal with that stuff in games and yeah. that's okay. So yeah, maybe like the alternating week thing that you already mentioned in your email and so Ashton answered your own question. And it also doesn't have to be, I feel like to one thing to explore if you want to get into a more emotional game is not having it be every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know it's once a month kind of ends up feeling like we never game because then if you miss a month or whatever, but scheduling demons aside, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just really nice to have them 
break, like a longer break yeah. in mm-hmm. between your more emotional games than your like weekly, like throw down, I'm going to fireball in the face yeah. situation. Yeah. I also love a three shot for an emotional game. I feel like yeah. that's really a peak for me. Yeah. Especially if you go for a system that's more about characters dying at the end. Mm-hmm. I can think of uh, like Trophy, which is a game that's a little more, you're playing bad people and therefore you don't expect to survive to the end of it. Or something like Morkborg, which is kind of more on the OSR side of again playing terrible characters who are very low on hit points and might be likely to fall to the horrors of the apocalypse. You don't have to play an apocalyptic game to get that experience. But <laughs> a three-shot can be a really satisfying experience, especially if, again, you talk at the top of the table and say, we want to burn hard and fast on yeah. these characters. Like, we want to care a lot about them and then experience the sense of loss as they go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... And honestly, post-apocalyptic might be a really great segue for a group that is kind of like beer and pretzels. Like, that's something they probably can clue into. I know I'm sort of stereotyping, but also I played with your group, so I kind of know your group. <laughs> <laughs> like, having run Starscape for them, like, I have a feeling for them. Something like that where they can jump in immediately and, like, you know, have Mad Max vibes and then do, like, burn hard and fast, whatever it is, like, might be a really good thing. I know you so already you, said that you were trying to get them to, and you tried it before and it wasn't working, but, but yeah. like, who knows? Like, you start off with Mad Max and then suddenly it's Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Mm-hmm. And it might just be finding that system, too, that has that adventure component and, like, clear, like, this is what we're doing. Like, it's, we're going to fight our way in there, but also, like, has some, like, emotional beats. Like, Masks is good about that. Like, there's lots of big action. It's your teenagers and there's a bunch of fun like obviously kind of like teenagery stuff but then there's also yeah. really deep feelings a lot of times i might also recommend if you're looking for a way to find a new group that kind of runs down the middle between not a con but not a discord either start playing has great ongoing games that you can pay to become a part of or if you want to start jamming on start playing i've heard from a bunch of friends that there are some awesome gms that they've worked with for a long time through Start Playing because yeah. I like, paid pro GMs. And that way they start as strangers, but they still have an ongoing campaign. And also sometimes a paid GM might be a great person to turn to if you're hoping for a little more emotion out of something because you have that expectation already of, hello, GM, I'm bringing this kind of character and I would really love to see like prep something cool for them. So there's a bit more of that relationship, which for some people can be uncomfortable to say like, I'm paying my game master. But if you really want to say, I have a certain expectation that would make me really happy, it might be a little easier to have that conversation with someone that you're yeah. like. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I think of like paying a GM can be if it's within your means, it can be an amazing experience. Yeah. Like nobody says like like when somebody wants to go out and like hit some balls, nobody who goes to the batting cage, oh, I can't believe you're paying to hit yeah. baseballs. No, it's the same thing. Like, okay, I, I want to you know, I want to have fun. I know what I want out of us, and like, it's not something that is currently working for me to get outside of a a situation, an experience that I buy. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with that. We pay to go to the movies. We yeah. pay to buy books. We pay to like get a haircut. All these yeah. things. Yeah, and supporting gyms is always a good thing in all of our books. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. it's inter- it's been really interesting to to watch that develop because I remember when the when people first started doing that, like I guess it was like ten years ago. It seemed odd. Yeah, everyone was like, "Well, yeah, like we do a bunch of work," and then it sort of started with 
I think like GMs on streams and stuff. Like I'm sure it had always been something that happened at local, like friendly local gaming stores, but it wasn't something that was like well known. And it's been great with websites now that are facilitating that and things like that and making it so much easier. Like there's even like ratings. It's like like shopping on Etsy. Like, let's see, what GM will I have? Yeah. Let's see. I like this. Okay, this what, is the type. What flavor do I want to do? I'm always exactly. interested in the history of unpaid labor then becoming paid labor because yeah. there's a lot of historical examples of unpaid labor being undervalued specifically because it's performed by women and people of color and mm-hmm. then later recognized as they should have been paid for this all along. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to say like, actually GMs, your time is worth yeah. being paid for. Not that you have to be paid for it, yeah. but to appreciate that there's a lot of effort and labor that can go into storytelling. Well, and it takes, it's like hiring a professional for anything else. Sometimes it's just easier to pay someone and just know, okay, they're going to be there every Thursday. I don't have to worry about my GM's kid getting a cold or what. I mean, I'm sure they're human. So there's things that happen, but like, it's a little bit different when it's like a professional relationship that way. I was actually watching a TikTok half an hour ago that was people talking about pro GMing and how they actually game like so much more because it's a pro GM who handles all the scheduling. So they don't have even like a set day, but like the GM, because they're getting paid, handles the scheduling for everybody and makes sure, okay, we do twice a month. What days are we going to do this month? And it's just part of the the service. And that's like amazing. That's it, worth it right there. Like, right. Yeah. 100% earned the fee just to deal with the scheduling aspect. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, if if people can put themselves out there and people are willing to pay for it, I think it's fantastic. And I think that might be, I mean, who doesn't want to be able to go like to the store and pick out the exact thing that they want? It's like, I don't know. When you go to Chipotle and... (laughs) I would like some of this. I'm going to sprinkle on this this, and of that. And then give me a dead spouse and (laughs) a cute pair to flirt with. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little bit of like an emotional affair. Yeah. Yeah. Just for Give me a little spice apocalypse. it up today. <laughs> so yeah, that might be a good suggestion. That's if a great you're suggestion. Trying to find a new group, but you're anxious about like a con game too. It's a very brief experience mm-hmm. for high emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, Burke, you're the forever GM too. So like, you know, if you go to your friendly local gaming store, it's gonna be you probably. The chances of you finding the perfect group, like with the little, like the days of the little pull the. the phone number off the board are gone. And if you happen to meet friends, it probably would fall to you to run the game, which is, yeah. again, not what you're looking for. So I feel like like checking out paid or there are also, they're not like dating apps, but they're like finding game yeah. like websites too. Like maybe that it sounds yeah. like a dating app. It, <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's not for dating. If there was an, an app that I got an ad for recently about like finding sure. your game. Yeah. So literally. But also... I'm sometimes wary to point people towards Reddit, but the looking for game group on Reddit is actually a pretty good place to find people. Yeah. So it's just r slash LFG, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm nervous about that too, but like, Burke, you're very internet savvy. Yeah. So I, I trust giving that advice to you. Anything like <laughs> that can be kind of hit or miss. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And it's like, it's worth, if you're entering a new internet space to try to find people to game with, it's worth lurking. Like, I feel yeah. like people don't understand the value of lurking anymore. Like, just, sit back, observe what's going on and like vibe check it. And then if it's great, you can jump in. And then if it's terrible, you homer into the bushes and no one ever knows. (laughs) Actually, I will ask because I'm not sure about your backgrounds, but did either of you do any like RP forum role play? Oh my God. 
I'm going to just show my age right now. But um, <laughs> way back in the day. Yeah. When I was still on like a dial-up modem that you had to like sign into a service to uh-huh. use. I was in a form-based Dragon Riders of Pern yes. role-play. I loved those books. I wonder if we like role-played together. Like I was too... <laughs> Like, there was a million of them, so... But, but, like, still, like, we're of an age where it might have happened. This is now our backstory. Like, no matter what the truth is, like, we did Pern forum role-playing together. And I was on the Warrior Cat forums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, a bunch of other things like that. (laughs) And I also read some cool, like, again, histories and game theory about how forum-based role-play is another form of, like, TTRPG game design. But honestly, if you're looking for some intense emotion and you're not feeling you can get it with a group, Maybe looking for an RPG forum or yeah, play a by post, a play play by post, post yeah. Uh, yeah. Discord server. There are a bunch of, I mean, D&D, but also other TTRPG play-by-post servers. The yeah. Westmarch style where you can hop in and get really attached to a character. And I promise you, you go on any forum and you will find the most angsty, most emotional play-by-post roleplay ever. Yeah. Like, people just love it. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, it's cool because it also combines like that long-form emotional experience with that safety and anonymity that we're talking about with Alice yeah. is missing. So mm-hmm. you can just go in there and it, they don't, they never have to know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Like they, you can just be like the anonymous, like emotion and then like no judgment, which mm-hmm. I don't think about. It's you fun. never have to look at them the next day. Yeah. No, ever. <laughs> also, you only have to like face you your can. dad when he gets like the phone bill after the internet, yeah. the diet, oh. when he's like, okay, it's been two days. I have to use the phone. Like, I have to use the phone. When he's like, when he comes by and he's just like, do you have any idea what the bill was last month? Yeah. And then walks away. <laughs> and you're like, no. But you also didn't say I had to log off right now. And like, some people can't act, but they can write. Like, nobody's yeah. business. Mm-hmm. So it's just different skill sets you yeah. might find. You really want someone who can give you the hurt. It might be a writer, not no. a GM. So, <laughs> like so a GM awesome. in person, you know? Yeah. Number of times my heart's just gotten ripped out by writers. Yeah. Books. So many times. Books. Well, like, there are, like, well, I, I did form role playing and then I did, like, MMORPG role playing. Mm-hmm. And the fucking nightmare politics, emotion, backbiting with, I have had, and with, like, like, I've had a nemesis. Like, someone, I spent an inordinate amount of my life, like, planning the downfall of this person. And I have no idea who they are in real life. Like, zero. <laughs> But like, I ran the Elven Library and she ran the Elven Temple, and it was it was just no. Uh-uh. I was going to be on the High Council before she was. It's a whole thing, and most of it was in Coinia. Like oh God, it was a this. lot. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, on a Dark Age a of Camelot RP server back in the day. <laughs> it wasn't my primary server because mm-hmm. I could not do that for as long as I wanted to be playing. Yeah. Back when I was in college, I had more time to do so. Sleep was less important then. Non-existent. There's something about staying up till 3 a.m. just like being frantically yeah. waiting for a reply. Something yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. We're all just staring wistfully <laughs> into the studio lights. So maybe email number two. <laughs> okay. You want to read? Sure. Oh. Hello, Kimmy and the Jackers. Fam name. Yes. This is anonymous poster from season three, episode thirteen. Except season thirty-one, not season three. Damn it. Okay. Season 31, episode 13. <laughs> Long-term fan. Yeah. Who asked what to do about a very traditional player who just wasn't getting PBTA playstyle. I was in the process of getting myself ready for a very difficult conversation where I was going to tell them that I didn't think this game was a good match for them when I got an email 
from them. Mm. They resigned from the game. Ah. They said that they had really, really tried to push their own envelope and get used to a different style of play, but concluded that story games just weren't for them. They then said they're starting a Call of Cthulhu campaign on a different night and wanted to know if I'd be interested in playing in it. I said yes. Of course you did, because you were you. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, I consider this a win-win situation. (laughs) Thanks for your insight on my initial question. Who is it? Mike Fernando. Fernando. (laughs) Denizen of Ithaca, New York. Yes, Mike. I'm sorry, Mike. I got the Mike part, and then I put the paper down and was like, wait, no, there's more. (laughs) For dramatic effect, she, like, dropped the paper and, like, put her hands on the desk and was like, (laughs) very well done. And yeah, for those of you who aren't on the Discord, the joke is Mike plays more games than any human should. Or mm. I, I mean, like we none of us understand how he like he plays in like fifty games a week, which maybe is a hyperbole, but only a little bit. I know like, people like that. Yeah, yeah, he's like literally in like a game every day at least. You're just like, what? That's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, retirement goals, like I don't know. Seriously, yeah. I remember. I'm pretty sure that this. Your original yeah, yeah, question was like one of the episodes I was on. So I'm really, really glad to hear that it can't like it turned out like this. That's it really is. You got a win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you didn't even have to have the adult conversation. I know. Maybe, I mean, now the reason Mike wrote in is anonymous because they weren't sure if the player like listened to the show. Mm. So maybe, maybe they did and they were like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Like it's possible. Like maybe that's a whole new like sex segment of the show we're gonna have to like add is like breaking up with your players for you like you read an email <laughs> and then you just maybe have this magical ability like all the problem players and a bunch of groups think it's about them so yeah. they leave their groups tell you what we can <laughs> add it as a patreon too. Yeah. <laughs> i love the idea of happy Jacks rpg being like the am i the asshole reddit forum yes. but you just have gms coming in being like i need to talk to my player but i can't say it to their face and the players like wait no i'm the asshole it's me. Oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. That it's needs to be a thing. Like, we have to change it slightly. Like, am I the gaming asshole or something? Yeah. But that, oh my God, that would be so good. Dear Happy Jacks, am, am I the I, problem? Am yeah. I the problem? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, we've gotten a lot of emails. <laughs> I kind of, I really like that idea yeah, too, I do too because it'd be really hard in games to just determine if you made a mistake. I mean, even with safety tools or if the GM didn't orchestrate something right or like if you offended someone in game versus in character. So, yeah, I have had hour-long conversation or month-long conversation yeah. with people just saying, I'm really worried about this plot point I introduced and I think maybe it's affecting this player, but they haven't like, talked to me about it and I've been really worried about it. So, mm-hmm. Well, we've also had, like, like all of us have had friendships that ended or, and you always kind of, like, sometimes, like, with gamer friends that you just kind of are like, I wonder if this had something to do with that or I wonder if this fed into something else. And, like, mm-hmm. we were talking about Bleed earlier. Like, that's a legit thing that has affected my friendships. Like, there have been times where we've had really intense sessions or something happened, and you do have to decompress as friends later, or, like, you don't. And then, like, you realize someone hasn't talked to you in a couple weeks, and you're like, hey, what's up? You've been busy? Well, no, I'm really upset about what happened. And you're like, something happened. Okay. And so it's, like, really easy in these big, emotional, messy games, regardless of the rules, like, to accidentally step on people's toes and mm-hmm. like, yeah. So I don't know. I might have to figure out how we can like organize that. <laughs> yes, I, I love mean, this. I also just love the conversation about concluding story games don't work for you, talking about how different systems just don't work for everyone. I think like that's been kind of a theme of this episode. Yes. So very glad that resolved. There are certain game systems that I am just 
not interested in mm-hmm. ever and would find difficult to do it, you know, in a campaign. So yeah. knowing that about yourself can be difficult to figure out. But very helpful. Yeah. No. But you're obviously not the asshole if they invited you into their other game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like here it's like no problems here. No, it's because like, this player was trying. They put in a good faith effort, mm-hmm. realized it wasn't for them, pivoted. Yeah. And then obviously your relationship is good or you wouldn't have gotten invited to the other game. Yeah. yeah. So it really is like, like I want to like wave these two situations <laughs> in front of people and be like, see, it can work out great. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a success story. There are no actions of your own, but it's still wonderful. And I worth celebrating. Like this player too has done our advice work for us because yeah. what they did is they thought about their role in the game. They might've been sad about having to leave the game, but they still set up a future opportunity, like communicated about it, took the mm-hmm. initiative on that. And again, like you can always start another campaign and invite someone if you want to play it. Taking on the role of the GM is a great way to solve things if you're not satisfied with what's going on in a TTRPG because you get to pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like in the last email, you have your Barbie gamer friends and you have your Oppenheimer gaming friends. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I want to make that like meme now. Like what movie are like trope are you with like gaming? Like, okay, are you? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm not going to actually do that because I don't have time in my life. But if someone wants to go run with that. I feel like it's like Wander Home and GURPS. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like those are such extreme examples. Although Wander Home might have like a whole like, yeah, face about it. (laughs) (laughs) GURPS is such a bad reputation, but it is like, it's not as bad as it really. Like there's a lot of small, like we were talking about this yesterday, like when you came over and we were like, there's a lot of math, but it's like small, easy math. (laughs) Like, but that's, I actually mentioned this yesterday as well, yeah. but like that that I'm actually as a person better with like smaller chunks of bigger math yeah. than I am with like 20 tiny maths. Yeah. <laughs> There's a much higher chance of like making mistakes than when you have lots of tiny maths. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I also was just uh, super spoiled when I played GURPS with just incredible GMs who made it like so easy and invisible. Yeah. Like any system can be super amazing if you have an incredible GM who's just like, roll. So true. This is what happens. And you like, don't even have to like address the math. (laughs) It's like, they just like make all that invisible because they do it all. You're like, okay, this is amazing. All right. Mailbag number three. Hey all, in case you're stressed for emails, we are, please send emails. Here's a quick set of lightning round questions that might stimulate some conversation. Enjoy. One, would you rather GM or play? Really quick. Would you play? GM. Alex, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it depends on the system. I don't think I will ever want to play the One Ring. I think I will always want to jam that game, like forever, because it is just like in my heart permanently forever. And I stole a bunch of it to put in Starscape because I love it so much. Other systems, I'm like, fuck no, I don't want to jam that game. <laughs> Hello. I am always the G. Like, I always want to be the GM. Oh, really? It's just my favorite thing in the world to do. That's that is awesome. I, yeah, I find it. that like I'm still in the hump of anxiety about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe I'll feel differently and. Come to me again in five years and we'll see if I'm a different person and want different things for my gaming. (laughs) It really, my transition from player to GM, I had so much love for the game and then becoming a GM, I think I hit a button in my head where I'm like, I am, every time I GM, (laughs) I generate serotonin. Yeah. And I've played in games that don't always generate serotonin. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather keep pushing that button because I know it'll work, even though I also love being a player. Yeah, yeah. Mm All right. Two. Is there a game that you always wanted to play a run, but never did? Why are you drawn to it? And what's stopping you from playing? Alex, you go first. I really want to play in a Die RPG game. I've gotten to story 
tell a die RPG game. And we didn't get to finish it all the way through and it was really fun. And I do think that's one I would really enjoy because it, the games that I really want to play but haven't gotten to tend to be the more like really niche story ones yeah. where you're going through a kind of very specific experience. So it might be not like, like a Pathfinder or, mm-hmm. or a One Ring where you can kind of tell any story, but like we are going to tell this really cool like story of a comic or story of a descent into madness or, or something like that. And therefore, I want to have like that play experience. So for Die RPG, I really want to play as a dictator in a Die RPG game, which is the you can use your voice to manipulate people. And I just want to have a game where I actually feel safe doing that. Mm-hmm. Where like I've got all the safety tools, I've got the GM I would trust, I've got the players I would trust to actually be able to negotiate very carefully a game mm-hmm. where I'm exploring what it means to have the power to have people do what you say. Yeah. Nice. Aegon. Love that game. I'm like, I've had it for like three years, I think now, like just sitting in the folder, waiting, waiting, waiting. I keep forgetting how prolific John Harper is. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. So much. But for those of you who haven't heard of it, it is like a Odyssey style Mm -hmm. RPG where you play the crew of a ship coming back from a war. And you are trying to get home and you hit up all these different islands with different scenarios. And like there's the interference of the gods and monsters and mythic. And it just, I want to play. Wild thing about Aegon, it's actually one of the games that got me into TTRPGs because first ever like getting closer to TTRPG experience I had, I took my first year seminar in college was Mm -hmm. with a game designer professor and it was called uh, Classical History and RPGs. And so we studied the Odyssey, and then played Aegon. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. That's amazing. Let's see, for me, I think Bluebeard's Bride. Mm. I want to play that so bad. And it's one of those things where, like, I just keep missing it. Like, different people run it, and I just, like, oh, I'm busy at that point. Also, like, I have kids. It makes it harder to schedule things. I just really, really, really want to play that game, and it's so beautiful, and I know so much about it, and I know people who worked on it, and I'm just, like, yeah, I just, yeah it's, like, I, I just, like, it's, like, ship I keep passing in the night and going, there's a ship I want to fail. And that's like, yeah. So someday it will happen. Uh, and it's I, so good. Every time I've run it has been transformative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. It's just like, so and So now you have. Yeah, I would love to run would it love, for you. Oh my God. I would so, like, I will oh come here and okay. find Bluebeard's We'll, do, we'll do like a one shot next month. With yeah. That'd be amazing. We're planning that anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I run Bluebeard's Bride on a virtual tabletop platform, which was mm-hmm. really interesting because we kind of designed the rooms together mm-hmm. using the assets, which uh-huh. was really fun. And then I played an amazing game with another friend whose name is also Pooja for a charity stream. Mm -hmm. Um, You played with the other Pooja? (laughs) Yes, which was awesome. (laughs) And we were raising money for abortion rights. Yeah. It was like fun abortion rights in Texas, which was, again, a very emotional experience because it's about a lot of feminine experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I would just adore playing that. I even, like my husband is like, like looking for his next, he, he makes like, fan films and stuff in his spare time with his movie company. So he was like, well, do you think I could do like an RPG of a movie? I'm like, okay, there's this game called Bluebeard's Bride. <laughs> and it would be an amazing, and it would kind of be like, sort of like a bottle episode because like you could do like one house and like decorate. And like I was pitching him, he's like, well, when did you play this? I've never played it. <laughs> but here's the book and look how pretty it is. He's like, okay. I remember watching an AP of it and just being like, yeah. I must, I need, I have to have. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it, it was a, Transformative is a is a really good way to put it. Yeah. I love I love Magpie as a company. I feel like they sometimes 
over-design some of their games where there's like too many, like what we call hats, <laughs> too many hats on the system where there's just like, okay, this is a cool mechanic and this is a cool mechanic and this is a cool mechanic, but together it just gets a little crunchy, a little bit like inelegant. And I just feel Bluebeard's Bride is one of those games that is just like so what perfect balance. What you're saying is sometimes there are too many raccoons in the trench coat. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you get Bluebeard's Bride and it's just like beautiful imperfection. And sometimes you get the updated version of Urban Shadows. And you're just like, okay, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things there that some of them might ignore. Yeah. I would also say something about Bluebeard's Bride in relation to our first email. It's one of those systems that's just designed to give you a very specific and emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And so you get that like, by choosing to even play the game, you're already leaning into the themes. You're already leaning into being in a particular mindset for the experience. Mm-hmm. So when you go into it, it's that perfect bite, yeah. right? You just know what you're going to get out of it and you set yourself up to think about something really intense. Mm-hmm. And then if you actually like have that intense experience, you learn something from it. So, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I'm already hyped. I'm already hyped about it. Oh my gosh. Even if it, I, like, it doesn't have to be next month, but I, I want this to happen I mean, so but badly. next month is October, so yes. Yeah. <gasps> so good. Bluebeard's oh, so Ride Halloween is like, oh my god, yeah. Peak. And we could put it, we could put together an amazing table. I bet we could. I one another really interesting thing about Bluebeard's Bride is that normally one of my safety lines is I tend to be uncomfortable with discussions of miscarriage and intense pregnancy and, and abortion, especially in games. But I've never had that line in Bluebeard's Bride, mm-hmm. if only because it is a game that is about discussing how certain kinds of experiences. For people who are might be femme or not femme, but just like experiences that are more often aligned with mm-hmm. femme identity are traumatic. It's about talking yeah. about that and role-playing through that. And so mm-hmm. with that lens and framework, you actually get to explore like this isn't something that's casual. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. We can talk about emotional experiences and also like the amount of trust that it takes to be at a Bluebeard's Bride table. Like you want to make sure that you have safety tools in place and like Alex mentioned, like there are a lot of topics that are the game is meant to discuss that would be a normal lines for a lot of us, I think. Yeah. yeah. But in my opinion, like it it adds to the need to make sure that your table is really good with using their X card or in the case yeah. of Bluebird, what I think works really well is like the pause rewind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or fast forward system. Yeah, yeah, they've got the script change. Yeah, the script and, change. Yeah. One, yeah. So yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I think that that's one of the reasons. I mean, I, there have been opportunities for me to play, and I just kind of like looked. And even though it was people I really liked and cared about, I was just like, I feel like this isn't going to be the experience. Like, I don't know. And a lot of times, like through no fault of their own, like especially like like cis men were running it and stuff like that. And it was just like, which is valid. Like the game is meant to be played by anyone. I want to stipulate that. There's like guides in there for how to play, no matter what. But just personally, that's not the experience like I wanted with it as my like first experience with Blue Ridge Ride. Like I wanted comes back yeah. to like you know what you want, yeah, and going after it, yeah. Like whether it be that Alex is here at this table with you, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, if you amazing. went on and like like found a GM, like a pro GM to yeah. run that for you, yeah, with the expectation that it's like this is the experience I want out of this game, yeah. Like there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever, yeah. It's also another great example of a game that achieves a goal through being very specific about an experience. Yeah. Again, like I have personal safety tools that might come into play or personal like experiences that might come into play for Bluebeard's Bride, which is about like trauma and femininity and and all these like power dynamics and relationships. 
There are other games that are examples of deliberately choosing to explore a topic that you don't want to necessarily explore in like a fantasy way, but rather want to buy into. Mm -hmm. So like maybe you would never discuss transphobia in a game because you don't want to face it, but you're still interested in telling a story about it with a very specific system. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. a specific cast. Like we did Hexbreakers and Emily GM'd it. And we did because, you know, Riley was playing. We did explore, like, I was the only straight person at the table, mostly because we were new to, and I was like running the thing. And like, I had a discussion with them about it ahead of time. And they were like, no, no, we're very comfortable with you being part of this, telling this story. And it was, it was very much like, fuck you to Harry Potter, like exploration yeah. of a magic school. And Emily told this amazing story that was so personal because of like that trust at the table. And because we all sat down to explore that specific topic even though it's something that I think everyone at the table most of the time has on our lines and bills. Yeah. Like, it's not a thing we just want to, like, willy-nilly explore. But, like, in this experience, we want to we want to tell a story about this thing and about facing transphobia. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was an amazing story because of that buy-in, despite it usually being a line or veil. Sorry, I was just agreeing in, like, anecdotal form. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And also bragging on Emily, because she's amazing and I love her so much. She is. And she has the cutest baby ever. Not ever, because my baby was cuter. <laughs> but I have to say that, and I do. But she has the cutest current baby. Yes, because my baby's not a baby anymore. Anyway, we should probably end the podcast. <laughs> we have three more questions. Oh, two I'm sorry. <laughs> we devolved into me talking about babies. I've had like like three hours sleep in the last 24 hours. So number three, what movie, book, slash show do you wish you could participate in an RPG that doesn't currently exist? Mm. That's a big question. Okay, I've said, I, I think I, I haven't talked about it here, but it is something I've talked about before. I said, I love me some urban fantasy books. And there are two different series that I would love, love, love to play in an RPG world for. The first of which is the Alona Andrews, Kate Daniels series, mm-hmm. which is like so much bonkers stuff goes on. And it's just really like a fun set of books. And they're constantly expanding that world. They're still releasing books like, there's the main 10 books, and that tells a complete story, but they have a couple of spin-off series going out from that. So the world is large enough to tell a bunch of RPG stories that don't have to do with, like, Atlanta or Cape. Mm-hmm. Then Shannon McGuire has a series called Wayward Children. Mm-hmm. And it is about... It is a portal fantasy series mm-hmm. about children who find portals. Mm-hmm. And what happens to... It's both about what happens to them on the other side what happens to them when they get home? Mm. And I, like, if I was a game design kind of person, that is the system that I would make. Wow. Yeah. I'd have to look at that. So I, good. Yeah, and I'm they're not... all, like, novellas, so they're really short. Oh. So easy to, quick to get through. <laughs> Excellent. I was thinking through multiple different answers because I feel like as soon as I say a particular show or movie or book, if it's even vaguely popular enough, I'm sure there's an RPG experience that could that could get yeah. on it, right? But my, I think my real answer is probably related to Roll Doll. Like, I really want a Roll Doll experience mm-hmm. out of an RPG, and I don't off the top of my head know one, and I don't just mean, like, the flavor of it, but, like, I want to play through Matilda. Like, I want to have yeah. that experience. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. would be really cool. That'd be amazing. Mine is actually, one of my, very favorite books ever of all time is a book called The Giver, yeah. which we all re- read in school. And now we read it in school, but like, because all of us who like read it on our own grew up and became teachers and started making everyone else read it as part of the <laughs> curriculum. I think that's what happened. 
the movie's terrible. So if you, I mean, it's not terrible, but it just, you can't capture the book in a visual form because one of the coolest things about it is like kind of like dystopian, like maybe post-apocalyptic, you're never really quite sure, but it's this like group of people that are isolated. And at, I don't want to like give it away because you should absolutely fucking read it, even though it's like a young adult book. Like you go fucking read it. It'll take you like half an hour. Like, no, it'll take a little longer than that. But it's a very quick book. If I can get fourth graders and to read it, like you can read it. There are things you assume when you start reading the book that you find out aren't true about how you perceive the world around you. And it's just like, it was one of those pivotal moments where I just fell so much, like I was a reader anyway, but I read that book and there's a moment where like a sense that you have, you suddenly realize they weren't doing it the same way you do. I don't want to give like spoilers because you really should read this book. And you realize that they've been controlled to a degree where their senses aren't even something they can fully trust. And then they slowly like, you know, different people are breaking out of it and things like that. And I just, I would love to be able to distill. And I've thought about it, but I have no idea how to do that. Where you start a game with like an assumption. And as you play the game, you realize how limited you are. And then you're able to break out of that. Yeah. I have no idea how to do it mechanically, but it just be would be like an incredible experience. I don't know if I'd even want to have it be like a one-on-one, like, okay, you are playing the giver. But I think that would be a, just such an phenomenal experience. Yeah. My immediate thought for that is that you're not allowed to roll dice at all until yeah. like later you actually physically get something that allows you to roll. Oh, yeah. Like you just do not have the method to do a mechanic, even if you've heard people doing it. And yeah. you're like, oh, my God, now that I've got a D20, I can roll it. Yeah. Like maybe you're just told until something happens, something triggers where you get suddenly you have a chance at the truth. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. Interesting. So many. It's just a big list now. Let me write this down to you. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with like a card game. Like you have yeah. to spend a card to do a mechanic, but there's never cards on the table until yeah. you like open a door and someone suddenly the GM hands you a card. A card. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That'd be super cool. But anyway, yeah, I'm just, I love that book. And they tried really hard at the movie and there's just no way to do it. You can't do it. It's not like, because you, you don't get that, the same kind of revelations yeah. you do in that format. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, God, we saw okay. one more. Okay, four. <laughs> when you sit down with a new GM, what's the top one, two, three, your choice? Things you look for that you know will make this a great game. What about the worst thing that will make you go to the washroom and never come back at a con game? <laughs> That's been our suggestion quite a few times. Thanks for the wisdom and entertainment. Ken from Canada. I haven't gone first yet. I guess I'll go first this yeah, time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like safety tools, 100%. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I feel like that's a good, I, I feel like that shouldn't even be an answer because that's such an easy answer. So that's cheating. I think the other thing is asking for input because I'm just going to like, like safety tools 100% should just be the number one thing and should happen all the time. But if you sit down and they're just sitting and shuffling papers and not paying attention to you, you, you know, you make your character specifically at a con game or whatever, and they're just like focused on their story and they don't ever ask about what's on your character sheets. And it's like, like, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. Like, I've played those con games before, but it's also like, so who who I made, not like what they can do, but who I made doesn't matter to the story. Mm-hmm. And then you were going to run the exact same story no matter what. Yeah. To piggyback on that, like, one of the things, like, with a new GM, like, when they are not only asking about, like, your character's backstory and some details, but then, like, maybe making a couple of suggestions to, like, even push you further, mm-hmm. then you know it's going to be, it's like, 
like rubbing my hands together. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other things that like I really, really love to see is just when you're there and the, and the GM like starts the session and you're in that first session and they can often feel like first sessions are first sessions. They're going to feel like there's a lot of stage setting. There's a lot of like building the scenery going on. But when the GM makes sure to give you a couple of opportunities to have your players have really like like meaty scenes, especially with each other. Yeah. I love that. I just, it makes me, like it warms my heart. And also I feel like it's a mark of, excuse me, a really skilled GM. Like I know that that's not necessarily a skill I particularly have yet, but it is one that I aspire to. Mm -hmm. And then my washroom things Outside of obviously like disrespecting boundaries and safety tools is now sometimes something really bad happens to a character because of a poor role. And like there's a, there is the repercussions where it's going to be good and you're like, oh, this is going to make the story go forward. And then you have repercussions where you feel like the GM has taken great pride in beating you down. Yeah. That's a washroom situation. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. Feel that. I definitely agree with asking questions. If a GM says, like, who is in this bar or what does this place look like or even what is your character wearing? Just things like that. It's a super green flag for me. It makes me really excited to engage. I love being asked questions. A GM who makes me feel like I can also ask questions. So if I ask a GM something and they have an excited answer, that Mm. is just a really big green flag. Like that they're thinking about it and they want to engage and even a GM who says, I don't know the answer to that, but here's a fun idea. That's a really great thing. Yeah. I think my, my biggest washroom experiences have been kind of the regular red flags of like, says something that is homophobic or racist mm-hmm. at the table and like, okay, I'm gone. Yeah. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. One of my more subtle ones is GMs who kind of hyper-focus on one or two players and don't engage the other players at the table, yeah. especially at a con game, because there can already be an imbalance with people who are less comfortable role-playing or just being with strangers. And it can be really, that's like a huge skill to try and develop, to run con games and to actually get people talking. But someone who's like deliberately ignoring or deliberately focusing, I just can't stand that for too long. Mm-hmm. There's a pressure that builds on the table that I can't be around. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I feel like with con games, it's like, it's a lot of times like some rando person. So you, never know what you're gonna get yeah but yeah i mean you just have a vibe like i i hate to like like there's no way to tell but i think a lot of people especially people who've been marginalized or belong to marginalized groups like just have like a vibe like you sit down and sometimes there's not even like a thing that you can point at like this was weird it's just like a "Mm, i feel a little unsafe i feel and like usually usually it reveals itself but like usually, like I sit down at a table sometimes at a con and I mean, mostly I run games at cons now. So my actual like horror con stories don't exist because I'm literally GMing all the time. So it's very different than, especially when I first started going to cons, especially when I first started going even to strategic con and stuff, it was like, it was like me and like three other women. It's like 12 years ago now. And like, we we're like, hey, and everyone assumed you were with your boyfriend. And like, my husband's like, <laughs> doesn't like gaming. <laughs> I mean, he likes video gaming, but not tabletop gaming. It was just like one of those things. And you could sit down at a table and like viscerally people reacted to like my presence. 
And it's something that happens to a lot of different people from different marginalized communities. And there's just like a body language or just a thing. Like, I, I don't know. You know it if you know it. And yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Also, if a gym raises their voice in a certain way or like at a certain yeah. volume at a con, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just a comfort yeah. thing. I have had games where I love if a GM like gets really emotional and gets in my face if it's a friend of mine who yeah. I'm like cool with. But if a GM at a con is like, I don't know, just too loud or aggressive, it might not be something that I'm I'm there for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have been called out on that before. <laughs> I'll admit I've had players be like, you know, when you told me to roll your dice, I kind of felt like I was in class. I was like, <laughs> like I pulled out like my teacher voice is before I was a mom. So I was like, okay, now you need to roll. And they were just like, at the end of the game, they're like, it was a little intense sometimes when you are telling me what I was needing to do. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes, too, that there's a difference between that and, like, and it goes back to your vibe thing, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. sometimes, yeah, you can tell, like, this person is used to, to telling other people what to do. Okay. Yeah. And I might not be entirely comfortable with it. I might not like it in the in the moment. But uh, it's not, like, a walk away to thing. Yeah. As yeah. much as, like, aggression and anger yeah. at the table, For especially sure. from a GM, is a huge red flag for me oh, yeah. as like a fun presenting person of color. Yeah. I don't want like I I don't want to be around aggression. I don't want to be around like or that kind of angry aggression. Yeah. yeah. I want it in my life, let alone in my games. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that comes from players, you know, they just okay. maybe an aggressive player at the table that can also cause me to walk away. Yeah. But I mean, in other ways, like to what you were saying, Kimmy, sometimes a GM who's really good at keeping things on pace is actually a green flag. Like if a GM is like, we're all going to get going, like you make this roll and then kind of like, and you add this modifier to it. If they're pretty good at that, that can actually be what keeps me at a table because I feel like they are trying to help us have a good experience and stay on task and we're That's not good. kind of wandering around. Yeah. So, okay, Which give me another a, green yeah. flag. I'm so sorry. That's but like, a, just, it, I was going to make a bad the, joke. It how... Like, if you're GM, like, especially at a con game, ask the players how comfortable they are with the system and how well they know the system. Yeah. So, like, oh, that's a great one. Like, great starting one. off from a point of, like, so we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then being able to give that help later, like, that's what I anticipate out of those kinds of questions. And I love it. It's like, yes, please go, go, go. Yeah. I think that also, like, helps everyone at the table have a better experience. At Strategic Con this last time, when I ran Starscape, there was a, a 14-year-old young lady at the table. It was, like, her first RPG ever. So, so amazing cool. and I was just like oh. and she was really annoyed like she had a great time but she was really annoyed she's like you're not jamming any other games I was like no I have a booth so she kept coming by the booth she's like are you gonna you can jam later it's like oh my god I love <laughs> you so much she played a sentient fungi like it was amazing she was an ink cap like an alien ink cap in Starscape it was the most amazing magical thing and she did such a great she's job nothing like a new player who doesn't no. have any of the conceptions yet yeah. it just goes like, can I play a unicorn? Yes, yes you yes, can. You yes, you can. Welcome in. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, it was so good. And like, it was a really great table too. And she was really great. She was playing with her stepdad who was there and he's been like a long time Happy Jack's community person. But it was just so magical. And like everyone understanding that, that was her first time, it like made the table super supportive. And like when I was like explaining rules, nobody got like frustrated. They were like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Like, I feel like everyone became like the cheer squad for her. Like, yeah, that's, do it. Yeah, do it. So fun. I just, for those of you listening to the podcast, I did a bunch of like ridiculous, really bad, like cheerleading arms, like waving. Spirit cheerleading step before it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for me, yes, it's the same. So yeah, like I think even asking that question can make everyone like, can kind of uniform everyone's ideas about something. So even if they're a really experienced player, like I had some like people, the 
like incredibly experienced PBTA players at the table who like then were like cool with me going through and explaining rules more than I normally would. Or if we hadn't like had that baseline, then they would have been like, why is she explaining this? Like, you know what I mean? So I think that's a great strategy in a lot of different ways to do that at the beginning. Okay. We did it. We did it. We did a podcast. Thank you for joining us for season 32, episode 18 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Cesar Capacal, and you can find his stuff at quirky.games. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can find their amazing... We can find You can find our amazing Patreon at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. We do a bunch of stuff now, and it's very exciting. It's, it's cool. I have some new stuff to release on the Patreon-only feed, too. I'm very excited to do that. Yeah. My name is Kimmy. I've been Alex. I'm Pooja. And today we're going to leave with a song called The Bird Song, where if you listen very carefully to the alto line, you can hear my voice, by the Merry Wives of Windsor. You can find their stuff at mwowmwow.net. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week. Bye. 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 I also, I know I have to update the Patreon thing that's about to show. I will promise I'll do it. I just need a little sleep.
is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Seuss performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.